Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. talking about faith for healing. This is our fourth lesson, and it's been a while since I've extensively taught on this subject, and I see the value of it. I see the need for it. And to be honest with you, you don't get a lot of teaching in church about spiritual healing, receiving healing from the Lord spiritually, and how to operate within the Word by faith so that we can receive from God. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that when I first became a Christian, I learned some of these principles because I've seen many marvelous miracles take place as a result of the principles that you'll hear about today. But first of all, whenever we study a specific subject or topic in the Bible, what we do is we promote faith in that topic. So if you're studying about healing, you're promoting faith for healing. If you're studying about the Holy Spirit and His gifts, you're promoting faith in the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And the more you study that subject, what happens is this. Our faith level rises. We continue to fuel our faith. Why is that? You know why God wants us to meet regularly like this, to be taught and to receive from God's Word and study the Bible daily? Because of Romans 10, 17, look at what it says. It says, so then faith cometh by having heard. Oh. No, faith comes how? By hearing. by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You could say it like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, not having heard. Because you may have heard this yesterday, but you know what happens? If you ignore that same subject of, of let's say, healing or whatever subject you're, you want to study, if you ignore it, what happens is faith diminishes. Knowledge doesn't diminish. That's what happens. Faith diminishes, but knowledge doesn't. You can still know by his stripes you were healed, but if you're not hearing it, you have the knowledge of it, but you don't have faith because faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. So you see, knowledge could be retained while faith diminishes. So if we want to maintain our level of spiritual energy, spiritual faith in a subject, we have to hear it constantly. We've got to provide that spiritual fuel that is necessary for us to maintain a robust, strong faith. And that's why we have to hear it over and over and over again. That's why we need to hear it over and over again. And that's why we have to continue to hear the same subject. You might be saying, well, I've already heard that. I know you've heard it. But I also put gas in my car last week. If I don't continue doing it, I'm not going to get very far. I might not even make it to the picnic this morning. If you stop, you see what happens is faith diminishes. You retain the knowledge, but faith diminishes. So what I want to do this morning is add uh, fuel to the fire of our faith to receive healing from God. Why? Because lives depend on it. Lives depend on it. My son would not be alive if it were not some of the things I'm sharing with you this morning. But thank God he is. 
my oldest daughter would not be alive if it were not for these principles that I'm sharing with you this morning. She would have been gone. And so these are principles, as far as I'm concerned, that are dear to my heart. I was healed through the word. They were healed through the word. I have other children because of the word. And so I just want to pass it on to you. So we're going to begin at the beginning, if that's okay. God's original plan was not for man to be sick. Not at all. That was not God's original plan for man. As a matter of fact, you might want to write this down if you're taking notes. If you want to know the will of God, this is the most important thing you need to hear. God's will is not revealed through experience or circumstances. It is revealed to us in his word. And here's the areas where we discover the exact will of God for all human life. Number one, creation. When God created everything, what was it like? Number two, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he came to do the will of the Father. Remember he said, pray that till the kingdom comes, the will of God be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, he came to do the will of God. So we see the will of God in the beginning in creation. We see the will of God in the person and life of Jesus. We see the will of God in the millennial kingdom. You know, not one person will say I'm sick in the millennial kingdom. And then we see it in what? The new heavens and the new earth. There will not even be a headache. Doesn't that give you a headache just saying that now? <laughs> because of what we're challenged with in this life? Okay. So we see God's will revealed to us in creation, in Jesus, in the millennial kingdom, and also in the new heavens and the new earth. We won't have to contend with any of these things here that we're experiencing right now. Well, what about right now? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because right now what we understand is this. We're in a fallen state. We're living in a fallen world. This is not the will of God that's being done. Or we wouldn't have been told to pray the kingdom come, God's will be done. So let's look at these two scriptures. First of all, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Then, it's not in your notes, but look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1 from the Message Bible. Heaven and earth were finished down to the last detail. Don't you like that? Down to the last detail. So, in other words, in creation, when he brought everything to its predestined end, mm, let's go back and think about it. Was there any sin? No sickness? No disease? No anguish? No fear? No worry? No anxiety? No, none of those things. Any cancer? No. Any tuberculosis? No. Any COVID? No. And the list goes on and on. No, none of that was there. It didn't exist in that creation of God. Well, then what happened? Uh, we know what happened. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. We know what happened. Wherefore, as by one man, his name was Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see that in God's perfect creation, there was no, no sickness, no disease, no sin, no separation from God. But when man fell from that place of God's presence, in his fallen state, he fell into the realm of death. Sickness is incipient death. Sickness and disease and all the things we face in this life, bacteria, germs and all that, it's all in this realm because man fell from the presence of God. And in that separation from God, 
He's now exposed to germs, sicknesses, diseases, and everything here. That door's been opened because of Adam's high treason and his rebellion against God. So we're not living in the will of God. We're living in a fallen state. And as a result, we have a dilemma. Well, what are we going to do about it? 1 John 3, 8 will tell us exactly what God did about it. For he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy some. The works of the devil. The works of the devil. Whose works? In this fallen state, this is not the work of God. In this fallen state, this is the work of the devil. Jesus came, rolled up his sleeves and says, let's go at it. He came to destroy, to undo, outdo, overdo all the works of the devil. Hallelujah. That's what he came to do. Well, what might one of those works be? Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all, all, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What a verse of scripture. Everyone that Jesus healed, go through the gospels and you see the multitudes of people that Jesus healed. And Peter summarizes it by saying this, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Does that kind of give us an understanding of who's behind sickness and who's behind healing? It's clear as can be, right? Amen. So Jesus is the healer and the devil is the one who's the perpetrator. Can you agree to that? All right. So Jesus came to heal all that were oppressed of the devil. Then we go to the book of Exodus chapter 15. And this is when the Israelites came out of Egypt. And God brought them out with a strong and mighty hand and arm. And we know all the details of what took place during that time. When they got to the bitter waters of Marah, they cried out to God because of their physical thirst. They wanted something to drink. They knew they couldn't last very long without water. And they found the waters of Marah bitter, which means they were poisonous. They were full of bacteria. And if they would have drank it, they probably would have had poison and they would have died. And so they cried out to God. And let's read it. And he cried unto the Lord, that is Moses, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he established the, the covenant of healing. He said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put or allow none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am. Everybody say, I am. I that means he's the great I am. And one of his covenant names is revealed right here. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. Now, let me ask you this question. Did we twist his arm to reveal himself to us as Jehovah Rapha? Or is this something that he revealed on his own? Can we even know God if he doesn't give us a revelation of himself? We cannot know him without a revelation of himself. And so he says, I am Jehovah Rapha. So when they came out, they needed water. 
They would have died if they drank that water. It was poisonous. Was God concerned about their physical well-being? Yes, he was. How did he cure the bitter waters of human life? He said, throw in a tree. What's a tree remind you of? The cross. So he throws in the tree. The waters become bitter. The bitter waters become sweet. They're now able to drink it. And he says, look, I'm establishing with you my covenant. Two things we see here. Number one, obedience to the laws and commandments of God. Number two, the promises of God. The promise is he won't allow to come upon you all the diseases he allowed to come upon the Egyptians. Why did it come upon the Egyptians? Because of disobedience and rebellion, not walking with God, not wanting to know God, etc. But the point is, he made this covenant of healing. It's the first covenant that he made with the covenant people after they came out of Egypt. And what's the revelation? I'm Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Look, it's also echoed in uh, Exodus 23. And then in Deuteronomy as well, let's read these verses. You shall serve the Lord your God. Notice the key word, serve. And he shall bless your bread and your water. You see, that, that may not mean a whole lot to us here. We might kind of go through the motions of asking for grace over our meals. But they're in a place to where if they eat contaminated food, if they drink contaminated water, they die. I'll bless your bread. I'll bless your water. And notice this. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, no miscarriages, nor be barren in thy land. The number, no infertility of thy days, I will fulfill. What a promise. But what was the condition? Honor the Lord your God, serve him, walk with him, obey his commandments, his laws, his statutes, and his judgment. And that's the, that's the promise. Okay, look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. We see the same thing echoed. Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. The faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him to, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore, if shall come to pass, if you shall hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy, which I swear unto your fathers. Wow. Pretty strong language. He swore to do this. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, thy corn, thy wine and thine oil. The increase of thine kind, the flocks of thy sheep, and the land which he swear unto your fathers to give thee. You shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. I better read that again. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will not put or allow any of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee but will lay them upon all them that hate you. That's pretty powerful. Does he have the power to do that? Can he take it away from people? In the land of promise, he said he would do that for them. That's exactly what he was telling them. But they had their part to play and God had his part to play. It was a conditional covenant of healing. It was up to them to keep his law, statutes and judgments and walk with him and that he would do that for them. But if they rebelled, of course, that wouldn't manifest. Well, that was the old covenant. Did you know that in the new covenant, we have also uh, a covenant of healing that has two parts to it? 
We talked about it somewhat last week, but look in the first, first Corinthians chapter 11. Look at what it says in verses 29 and 30. This is the covenant that he made. Of course, we celebrated the Lord's Supper, which is the covenant meal. He that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, this cause, this is the cause. Many of you are weak, sickly, and many of you sleep or die prematurely. Notice this. What is the condition? Rightly discern the Lord's body. What is the promise? The promise is, well, if, it's, if you don't do it worthily, you're going to have weakness, sickness, and premature death. If you do do it worthily, what's going to happen? Strength, healing, and longevity. It's just the opposite. But the condition is what? I have to do what? Discern the Lord's body. Rightly discern the Lord's body. There is healing in the Lord's Supper, if we would just recognize it, because it's the covenant of healing that we have with him. Well, you say, well, what about the laws, commandments, statutes, and the judgments and all that? You got your shouting clothes on? But what about the rest of you? Would you wear picnic clothes? You wear picnic clothes? Would you wear your shouting clothes? Would you rather have your shouting clothes or your picnic clothes on? <laughs> you better want your shouting clothes on because you're going to get ready to shout. Listen. They had to keep the laws, the statutes, the judgments, the ordinances of God in order to get the, those conditions to get the promise, which was he'll take away from them all sickness and all disease. But you and I, all we have to do is rightly discern the Lord's body. What does that mean? He kept the law, the statute, the ordinances. He obeyed everything that God asked him to do. And he said, I'm attributing that to their account. All you got to do is say, Jesus, you did it for me. It's not about my performance. It's about your performance. It's what you did for me, not what I could do. So I rightly discern the Lord's body. And what happens? Strength, healing, and longevity. comes. Our, we open up the door to it all. Aren't you glad he did it for you? Yes. So when someone says to you, but healing's not an atonement. Oh, shame on you. You know what you're doing? You want to keep the law yourself? You think you could do it yourself? Jesus did it for you. And if you don't want to acknowledge it, then you're not going to have strength, health, and longevity. You're not rightly discerning the Lord's body. You're opening up the door, you see. To weakness, sickness, and premature death. Because you can't keep the law. I can't keep the law. But somebody fulfilled the law for me. Oh, hallelujah. Praise him. Thank him. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, here we go. You ready for it? Everything that God has provided for us has got to be received through faith. It is not automatic okay which is why we have to continue studying the word and lay a foundation for our lives so that we can have our own belief system established upon the truth of God's word now by faith we receive whatever it is that God has provided by faith we possess whatever it is that God has provided look at Deuteronomy 26 and verse 1 this is true under the old testament and you'll see it's true under the new testament and it shall be, when you are come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, now notice this, and does what? 
and do what? And possesseth it and dwell therein. Notice those three things. You got to come to it. You got to possess it. You got to dwell in it. Well, under the leadership of Moses, did they possess the promised land? Did they come to it? Yeah. They're right there. Right at the brink of it, right? Did they possess it? No. No. So did they enter in? No. Did they dwell in it? No. Well, what, why not? They came to it. They didn't possess it. And what was the reason why they didn't possess it? Hmm. Hebrews 3.19 says they couldn't enter in because of? Oh, unbelief kept them out of the promised land. Unbelief stopped them from entering into and dwelling in the promised land. The blessings of God where he said he would bless your bread, bless your water, take sickness away from the midst of you, fulfill the number of your days, right? But then what did God do? He raised up someone named Joshua and we call a Joshua generation. And he said, Joshua, I want you to teach these principles to the people that are at the time that they were supposed to enter in, I guess what, 19 would have been the oldest? All the others died, right? So by this time, they'd be 59 and under, right? So you take these people, and I want you to teach them faith. See, the Joshua generation is a faith generation. I want you to teach them that your enemy is defeated. I want you to teach them they got a covenant with God. I want you to teach them that, look, I brought you out. You didn't get out on your own. I'm the one that brought you out. I want you to teach them it's a brand new day. It's time for you to rise up, stand up, and take your place and do your part and start using your faith. I want you to tell them they're not alone. They're not going to go in on their, on their own. I will be with them. The captain, the host of the army, the living God will defend them and fight for them and go before them. And let them know that I've already given them the land. And guess what? Just do what I tell you to do and you got it made. Seven principles he told Joshua, to teach the people to raise up a faith generation. Let me ask you this question. Did they come to the brink of the promised land under Joshua? Yes. Did they enter in? Yes, they did. How did they enter in? By faith. Did they dwell in the land? Yes, they did. Do you see the principles here? So when people say, well, if God, listen to this one. If God wants me healed, he'll heal me. If he doesn't want me healed, he won't heal me. It's like it's all on God. No, God says, I've done everything I need to do. I made it possible for you. You say, well, you shouldn't talk like that or preach like, well, wait, let me, let me present it to you this way. If someone doesn't get saved, should they say, well, God wants me saved. He'll save me. If he doesn't want me saved, he won't. Does that make any sense? No. God's not willing any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So if someone doesn't get saved, is it because God didn't want them to get saved? No. He wanted them to get saved, but they did not exercise faith in the work that Jesus did for them to get saved. As a result, they'll be on the outside looking in. Can you see that? The same thing is true with every benefit of the cross. No matter what it is, every benefit, every promise, it requires faith to possess it. And, the, and you know what? The violent will take it by force. We got to become violent. Not with God, with the enemy who doesn't want us to have it. Who's going to stand against? We've got three enemies coming against us. The devil, the world, and the flesh. And the worst one is our flesh. You realize that? Our flesh doesn't want what God wants. Our flesh goes against the will of God. So we've got these enemies trying to come against us. And so it's up to us to take it by faith, to receive it by faith. Look at the next verse, Joshua chapter 1. 
Look at verse 11. Pass to the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to do what? To possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Possess means to use force to take it. It belongs to us. We've got to get in there and take it. It's ours, but we, we're not, our enemy's not going to walk away and just say, well, I concede the land. He's going to stand against us to prevent us from experiencing the reality of what belongs to us. So look at the next one. That was Old Testament. Look at the New Testament scripture here in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and unbelief, through fear and unbelief, through worry and unbelief, through anxiety and unbelief, and inherit the promises of God. Now, if he would have said those things, we'd have it made. Through fear and unbelief, we could enter the promises. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody would. But that's not what he said. Be not lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. How are the promises of God experienced? Through faith and patience. Why does he say patience? What's really the word patience means is that you're constant. You're stable. You're not going to move to the right nor to the left. No matter what the circumstance may dictate, you stand firm in what you believe. Okay? So through faith, or a good example would be like a Noah. Noah says, I'm building the ark. They said, you're, uh, old man, you're crazy. He said, no, I'm not old. I'm only 400 years old. I've got three more hundred years to go. Right? Right. And so he's just doing his thing, man, putting it together. But it's raining. That's okay. It's snowing. That's okay. It's, 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 it's a hurricane. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. He's not stopping just because people are mocking him, laughing at him, and jeering him, and all that. He just keeps on doing it and keeps on. He's steadfast through patience, same way, not move to the left, not move to the right, and finishes it through faith and patience. And guess what? When the rain came, he was ready. He was prepared. He experienced the promise, right? So how do we experience the promises of God? Through faith and patience. And even though you may release your faith to receive from God, you have to stand firm and don't move. And we'll get to that in just a moment here. Believe you received it. Fight for it. It belongs to you. Don't roll over. Don't give up. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Men ought always to pray and not faint or lose heart and give up or throw in the towel. It may not look like it, but God is moving. It may not feel like it, but God is working. See, that's how we have to view it. And it's different for every person. Why? Because we're at different levels of our spiritual understanding of these things. But I want to give us some things that are so helpful. God's work has already been completed. We don't need God to do anything other than what he's already done. By his stripes, we were healed. We're not going to be healed, but we were healed. The Holy Ghost is in us, quickening our mortal bodies now, right now. So these next steps, there's six of them here I want to point out, be very helpful to all of us. Even before you pray to receive healing, this would be a good idea. These are six important steps that will help position us to use our faith to receive from God. Number one, it's up to us to prepare ourselves. Preparation is absolutely essential. It's vitally important. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking after he did his Sermon on the Mount. 
Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house or life upon a rock. And when, when, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, for it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You notice these two examples he uses, the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man hears what God teaches and hears what God says. And what does he do? He lays the foundation of his life upon the teachings of God's word so that whenever these storms come to his life, he's well able to rise up and overcome. But the foolish man says, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my own way. That's building on sand. So when the storm comes and they come to all of us, one's prepared and ready and the other one is not. Well, how do I prepare myself? By number one, knowing that no one is exempt from being attacked. They attack Jesus. They're going to attack you. They're going to attack me. No one is exempt from being attacked at all. So any one of us can be attacked at any time in our physical bodies or in different ways. We know that. So our responsibility is to be prepared. Establish in your own life certain boundaries that you're going to live by. Establish them. Your belief system, what you're going to believe. If you think about it, a lot of people, we've, we've come to a place almost in our society that it's all about the medical field. And trust me, thank God for the medical field. But if all we do is put our trust in the medical field, if all we do is put our trust in, let's say, natural healing, if all we do is put our trust in holistic healing, if that's all we do, we're, we're missing one thing that's so vitally important, that the church has not been taught down through the ages. And what is that? Supernatural healing. Spiritual healing. And so it's up to us to make a decision. I'm not going to live under, you ready for it? Throw no stones. The curse. What curse is this? Jeremiah 17 and verse 5 that says, Cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. Whose heart departs from the living God. What does he mean by that? I think we could all attest to this. Is anyone here smarter than God? No one of all the people here today, not one of you is smarter than God. No, no, we're not. What does that mean? No matter how educated we become, no matter how wise we become, how much we understand about the physical body and its makeup, sicknesses and diseases and all that. It doesn't matter how smart we become or how smart we are. God knows a whole lot more than we do. And if you find yourself a Christian doctor, they'll be the first one to tell you they only do their part, but God does the main part. Healing comes from God. But we've not been taught as a people within the church how to receive healing from the Lord. And so we just say, well, whatever. So we're living under the curse of what man's finite mentality. We're finite beings. We're limited. We don't know it all. We can only do so much. You know what I was told? I was told that Andrew has to die. And by the two cardiologists at Children's Hospital, they said he can't live. Can't live. He doesn't have a left pulmonary artery. And we, exact words, we can't make one. He can't live. So you want us to bring him here, let him die in your arms, or take him in there, let him die in surgery? 
because we got to put a BT shunt in. I never knew what a BT shunt was before all this. But I respected their findings because they're educated. They know more than I do. And all I said was, doctors, do what you have to do. We believe God will do the rest. You see, we could live under the curse of man's finite limitations. Or we can say, thank you for what you know and what you've done and what you can do. But you know what? I want to believe that God will do above all that. Exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. Because my wife and I asked God to give him a left pulmonary artery. And he is 21 years old today with a whole left pulmonary artery that he grew to normal size. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. If we limit ourselves to our finite limitations, then we're living under that curse. That's all we could do. So if the medication doesn't work, that's it. We're limited. If the procedure doesn't work, that's it. We're limited. But if you go beyond that and just say, what? well, whatever, I'm, I'm believing that God is even greater than it all. Look at these verses. I got healed reading these verses. This is the, how I got my first miracle. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen to what I'm saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. Think about what I'm saying. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Believe what I'm saying. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Did you hear that instruction? He's saying, my son, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I want you to think about what I'm saying. I want you to believe what I'm saying. Because the words I've got to say to you, they're life and health. They're life to you first. That's your spiritual condition. And health to all your flesh. Isn't that something? So we got to prepare ourselves. How do I prepare myself? By going into the Word of God and finding what it says about our physical well-being. And so when someone comes along and just says, healing's not in the atonement and all that, shut it down right away. Don't even entertain it. Don't even try to prove it to them if, if they don't want to even listen to what you have to say. You establish your own boundaries for what you believe from the Word of God. I don't know how they could honestly read the Word of God and say that healing is not in the atonement. I don't know how they could say that in, in light of the fact that He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. That Jesus, with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, that's all spiritual. That's not everything spiritual, buddy. It's not all spiritual. You know, that water they were drinking wasn't going to save their soul. The water they were drinking was going to save their physical condition. God was concerned about their physical condition. And that's why, you ready for this? It's the song that used to say, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. Right? The man of Galilee. When the man of Galilee walked the shores of Galilee, there were multitudes that came to him that were blind, halt, dumb, maimed. There were lepers. They were, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And guess what? He cast out the spirit with his word and healed all that were sick, that it would be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities, he bore our sicknesses. When he walked upon the shores of Galilee, if anyone came to him, he set them free. He healed them, he delivered them, and he made them whole if they had even severed body parts. Think about that. Why is that in all the Gospels? Why do we have a record of multitudes and multitudes all healed if he wasn't concerned? And then Matthew 14, 14 says... 
He, seeing the multitudes, was moved with compassion and healed all that were sick. Well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is, right? Is the problem with him? Or is it that down through the ages, we've lost an understanding of healing spiritually and don't know how to receive from God spiritually? Okay, number one, prepare myself. What am I going to believe? That's up to me to gain a, re a working knowledge of redemption and what Christ did for me. Number two is planting. There's the planting or the sowing period. That's when you sow the seed of healing into your heart, into your life. The planting season, the sowing season. In Matthew or, or Mark 4:14, Jesus said, "The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word." I've got good news for you and bad news for you this morning. Which one do you want first? <laughs> there's good. The good news is there's healing in the word. He sent his word to heal them and deliver them from their destructions. The bad news is the moment you sow the seed of the word of God into your heart to get a result, you will be under an attack of the devil himself. He will come against you with an all, all out onslaught to get you out of faith. I had someone once say to me, I was never sick till I came to church and heard that healing belongs to me. Well, I started believing all of a sudden, boom, bum, whack, whack, and all that stuff. What's that all about? I said, well, welcome to the world of the word. Because Jesus himself said, when you sow the seed of God's word, immediately comes the devil. Immediately. He does not want you to be schooled in the word to apply the principles of it to your life. Why? Because he wants to run your life. He wants to ruin our lives. He wants to destroy our lives. So once again, you sow the seed. How do I sow the seed? There's various ways you can sow the seed. I have some listed here. You sow the seed, for example, in number one, looking, looking, was it Mark there? Okay. For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thy removed, be thy cast in the sea, not his heart, but believe what he says, so come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. What does he believe? He'll have whatever he says. But what does he believe? He believes that what he says will come to pass. So what am I saying? I'm saying, your word says I'm healed. By your stripes I'm healed. I believe it. I declare it. I decree it. By your stripes I'm healed, Jesus. And right here, at this moment of time, I am establishing my covenant with you that I am healed by your stripes. You just said it. You sowed it. You planted it. Another way. There's different ways. Look at the next one. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, whatever you desire when you pray... Believe, believe what, Lord, that you receive them and you shall have them. I went to the altar. I was prayed for. The moment I was prayed for, I believe I received it right then. I believe I receive it right then. What, what, are, does it look healed? No, it doesn't, doesn't matter what it looks like. Do you feel better? I don't, doesn't matter how I feel. No, I established that as a point of contact when I sowed the seed of healing in my spirit. And so therefore, whether I said it or whether I prayed it, I believe I receive my healing right now. Look at the next one. James 5, 14, 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Stop just for a moment. Does that seem like something you should do? Really? Most people would say, anybody sick, call for a doctor. In our society, call the hospital. 
Is any sick among you? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer of faith shall what? Save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. So the moment, and if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So the moment you were anointed with oil is become when, is when you sowed the seed of healing into your heart. The seed is right there. How many even know that a seed doesn't bear fruit overnight? Look at the last one. Uh, Mark 16, 17 and 18. These signs shall follow them to believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues if they think. They, sh they shall take up serpents if they drink. And they, then they think it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So let's just say you came up and hands were laid on you. Lay hands on. Doesn't even say anything about praying. Just say lay hands on. I lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. And he said, what will happen? They shall recover. Instead of walking away saying, I didn't get anything, didn't feel like anything, nothing really happening. In me, you're supposed to say, I believe I was prayed for. Hands were laid on me. I'm recovering. I'm a recovering sick person. Did you get that? I'm recovering. What was that? I'm recovering. How do you know? Because hands were laid on me. See, the whole key, the whole point here is staying in faith. With patience until it consummated. Okay. And then point C. Look at point C here. This is so important. Believing. So you plant it. Uh, sorry, you prepare yourself. You plant the seed. And now you believe something. Okay, what am I believing? Acts 27. Let's read this. Here is the Apostle Paul. He's out on a ship. He's out on a boat. And he is told that no one's going to die if you stay in the boat. You've got to stay in the boat. No one's going to die if you stay in the boat. And it gets worse and worse and worse. The situation is getting worse and worse and more grim. And what happens is they want to get out of the boat. They want to get off and go away and, and get on a little boat, a dinghy, and try to get out there and avoid the rocks and all that. And Paul says to him, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God. I believe God. Everybody say, I believe God. Say it again. I believe God. Say it loud. I believe God. What do you believe? That it shall be even as it was told me. How was it told you? Believe you receive it and you shall have it. Believe your words and you shall have it. Believe you were anointed with all and you shall have it. But Paul, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's like we're going to wreck. It's getting worse. The conditions worsening, not getting better. Sirs, I believe God. Let's get a little boat. Let's come out of the boat. No, sirs, you got to stay in the boat. If you stay in the boat, not one hair will be harmed on your head. You see, faith is a lifestyle. It's really learning these principles. And guess what? Do you realize that your flesh can't handle this? You realize your reasoning can't handle Not yours, mine too. Our reasoning can't understand faith and its operation. Just can't. It's so illogical. It's so unreasonable. And then the devil come along and just say, Tell someone, tell them you're a liar. You say you received healing, but yet look at you. My goodness, your nose is running, your eyes bulging out. What do you mean you're healed? I said, I believe I received my healing. What did you say? I believe I received my healing. You're lying. No, I, I said, I believe my, I received my healing. I'm calling myself healed. You can call me sick if you want. I'm calling myself healed. I was prayed for. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God said if I was anointed with oil, the prayer of faith would save the sick. This lady was in a hospital. She had this tumor in her body. She couldn't have children. Called for my brother and me. We went over there. My brother and I, we went over to the hospital. We anointed her with oil. 
and we were young in the Lord, just wet behind the ears and all that, and, and went, left, went our own way. Next thing you know, the next day we get a call from her. She said, after you left, I said, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed, I can go home now, because they had anointed me with oil in the name of the Lord. I wasn't even the clergy at that time. You know, and, and they said, she said, I'm healed. She said, I told the nurses, send me home, I'm healed. They thought she was delirious. Call for the doctor to come in. This woman says she was prayed for and she's healed. But doc, you know, she's having surgery tomorrow morning for this tumor that's in her body. You know what she said? I'm healed. I'm healed. Doc, I was prayed for. I was known with all. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. He checked her once. He checked her twice. And on the third time, I think it was, he said, send her home. She's healed. There's no, there's no tumor there. There's no tumor there. But did you see how her faith kicked in? This is a fight. So I'm going to believe something. What am I believing? I believe I was anointed with oil. And therefore, I believe I received my healing. I believe I was prayed for. Whatever it is, I got to believe something. I believe God. God said this, and I believe God. So, and all these other verses that are there. Matter of fact, let's real quick go through these. You mind? You got a minute? You, you going to a picnic or something? Look at Mark 9, 23. You want to see, you want to see where believing means something? It's easy to pawn it off on God. God didn't come through. Really? The only two, the only one I know that's perfect between him and, and I, and me, which is the best, is him. Not me. Right? He can't make a mistake. I can. He can. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that what? So does believing have a place in this? Yeah. The man said, if you could help us, oh, if you could do something, Lord, if you could do my son's suicidal, he's throwing himself to the fire, to the water. If you could do something, help, help, help. He goes, it's not me. Not what I can do. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He says, help my unbelief. Oh, what a cry. Help my unbelief. So what am I going to do? I'm going to believe. What? That what God said. That's what's going to happen. Look at the next one. Uh, Mark, or Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, doubting, you shall receive. No. Whatever I ask in prayer, what? Oh. Believing what? Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, believe you receive it when you pray. And so you see the key word here is believing. And Mark eleven twenty three, 23, same thing. Believe that what you're saying will come to pass. You'll have what you say. So can you see that? So you've got the preparing season. You've got the planning season. You've got the believing season. But then look at the next one. And don't rule this one out. Here in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, you've got the fighting period. The fighting period. You know, faith is a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed or confessed a good confession before many witnesses. Notice this fight. It is a fight of faith. It's a fight with words. I am saying, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. You've got the doctor's report telling you this, but you're saying, I believe God. I, I, I respect you, but I believe God. I believe God. You know, he can't live. I believe God. I believe God. He'll never live beyond three months. I believe God. I believe God. I, and you don't think there was fear. You don't think there was anxiety. You don't think there was all these emotions on the outside, you know, that coming against you at that moment when your little one is, you're told that the child cannot live. 
And there you are saying, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Throw your feelings out the window right there because at that point, you're fighting for this child's life. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. You will not back off of I believe God. I believe God. In the first nine months of his life, I can't tell you an unleashing of all kinds of different situations. There was the staph infection in the heart. I believe God. I believe God. I, that, he was only two weeks old. Staph infection in the heart with no immune system. How about that one? Dear Lord, what are you going to do with that? I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. The next one. Then he had a, a Broviac line infection where they put the, 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 give his medication up the groin. Goes all the way up to the heart. Now that's infected for the feces infection. You're just... No, they, they forgot to cover it. That's not why. I'm not even a doctor and I know better than that. And they're scurrying because this child's going to die again. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. See, there's no time just to say how hot I feel about this. Then he had the chicken pox infection at four, four months. And at nine months, he had the rotavirus. All in nine months. Nine months of his life with no immune system. Which, by the way, he has a great immune system right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You see, you ever get weary? I'll tell you what, it's easy to get weary at a time like that. You get weary while doing? You want to throw in the towel? Who? Many times you want to throw in the towel. When you're up all night, you can't sleep. How about this one? He'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. Feeding tube going in, feeding tube going down this way. He, it was going this way. Then he said, we're going to have to put one in here because, you see, he can't suck, swallow, or breathe. He'll not be able to do that. He'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. And she left the room. And Krista and I looked at each other and she said, uh-uh. No. That's not going to happen. Mm -mm. You can't eat pizza through a tube. What's the matter, you? What's the matter, you? I don't get that. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me. I need help. All right. We're fighting the good fight of faith. It's a fight with words. And you've got to, even though your feelings and emotions don't want to, you've got to say, I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. That's all there is to it. It shall be even as he has spoken. What about this one? Look at Galatians uh, chapter 5 and verse 16, 17. You talk about a fight. This I say, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things, the things that you would. What about a fight? The flesh will fight you tooth and nail every step of the way. It'll rise up in rebellion against it. It'll just say, what do you mean you're here? Don't you feel that pain there in your leg? I feel that pain there in my leg, but I'm not letting it dictate to my life. It will fight us every step of the way. But the body says this and the body says that. It will fight us every step of the way. Fight the good fight of faith says, I believe God. Even though I feel that, I believe God. I believe God's greater than that. And if we've got to use medical science, if we've got to use surgery, if we've got to use medicine, don't let the devil browbeat you with that and think that you can't get that kind of help that you, that you can get today in today's society. Thank God for the culture that we live in as far as that goes. Don't let the devil browbeat you with guilt or condemnation. You take hold together with God and just say, if I take a pill, I take it in Jesus' name. If you got insulin, take it in Jesus' name. And you say, I'm taking it right now, but praise God, I'm saying one day I won't need insulin because the hand of God is upon me and greater is he that's in me. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And one day you'll go back and the doctor will check you and say, you don't need that anymore. 
Don't be foolish like some people that say, take it out, take my kid off of it right away and they die. Don't do something like that. You use what you need to use until you build up your faith and you get to a place you just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now check me again and praise God it's gone. You're healed. And then uh, what about this one? Second Corinthians chapter 10. Have you got two more minutes? All right. Look at verses three through five. We're talking about a fight. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down our strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now we're battling with what? Thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? By his stripes, I was healed. What's the knowledge of God? I was prayed for or was anointed with oil and I believe I received my miracle. That's the knowledge of God. Right. But the thoughts will come against your mind that says to you something otherwise. You ready for this one? It's up to us to paint a picture of health here. Dodie Osteen still alive. Last I checked. But 81, 81, well, she was she's in her 80s now. But back when she was 40 and she was diagnosed with metastatic cancer of the, of the liver and says she had what, six weeks to live. And she was given up totally, period. Nothing that medical science could possibly do for her. Bless her heart. She was down to nothing, 80-some pounds. Her dresses just hung on her. Her kids wanted to do everything for her. And she said, no. She said to her husband, John, John, you are the head of this household. You get over here, lay your hands on me in agreement with me that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You can read her book. We have it in our, in our uh, bookstore out there. And she said, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. She put together a network of scriptures that she relied on and depended on. And she quoted them every single day of her life. But then you know what else she did? She got a picture of herself, I think, in, when she got married and also riding on a horse. She put that on her dresser and she goes, that's me. The devil's saying, oh, you're going down, man. You're 89 pounds. You're going to die. That's who I am. I don't believe that. I cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, I see myself well, I see myself whole, I see myself delivered, I see myself set free, I see myself walking and leaping and praising God. And her kids would come over and say to her, uh, Mom, let us move the furniture for you. She goes, stop it right now. You're not going to treat me like a baby. You're not going to treat me like I'm sick, I'm healed, and Jesus, I can move that furniture if it takes me a week to move it from one inch. I'm moving that furniture myself. Let us buy some new clothes that fit you. No, 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 I don't see myself that way. I see myself healed. I see myself whole. I will fit in that dress once again. Praise God. She, read her story. She fought the good fight of faith. Why am I emphasizing all this? Because it's not like so many people think. It's not a cakewalk. It is a fight. It's a fight for our lives. The enemy is against us. He wants to destroy us, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. But we got to cross over to that place that we deprogram ourselves from the way we thought and get ourselves reprogrammed to what the Word of God really says. And yes, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's a challenge. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Let's pull that up. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That one verse alone tells me a couple of things. Not everything's from God. Because if I have to submit to God and resist the devil, some things are coming from the devil. Not everything is from God and some things come from the devil. So the things that come from the devil, we have to what? Resist. The things that come from God, we have to do what? Submit. Submit and resist. Submit 
and resist. Submit to what God said. Resist what the devil said. Do you see that? That's humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. So I submit myself to what God said. I was prayed for. I believe I received my healing. As far as I'm concerned, I resist every thought, every imagination that's contrary to that. So you're fighting the good fight of faith. Numbers, next one, praising God. That's a praising period. You've got the preparing, planning, believing, fighting, and now the praising. Psalm 118, verse 21 Look what it says. I will praise thee because you heard me and you become my salvation. Oh, I love that. Don't you love that? I will praise you. You heard me when I said, you know what? This is like Jesus. This is what Jesus said. Father, I thank you that you heard me when I said Lazarus's sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the son of God would be glorified thereby. I thank you that you heard me when I said that. I will praise you because you heard me when I said, by your stripes, I am healed. Or when, uh, when you said to me, it shall be this way. And I said, you heard me when I said, I believe God. Sirs, I believe it, God. It shall be even as he spoke. You heard me when I said that. I will praise you because you heard me. My focus is on you. I praise you because you heard me and you've become my salvation. You've become my salvation. I'm praising you because you heard me when I said that. Look at 1 John 5, 14, 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petition we desired of him. See, that is confidence in prayer. You heard me. I have it. And I'm thanking you for it. I'm praising you for it. Even though nothing has changed, but I'm praising you for it because I did exactly what you said to do. And I know I have it. And finally, and that's, this is the end of it all. <clears throat> the ex this is the place we want to start. Isn't it? Yeah. Experiencing it. Experiencing it. You know? We'd like to start with that. Immediately, I prayed and asked, and boom, it happens instantly. And that's wonderful when that happens. But we've not been taught to fight the good fight of faith like we should. I've done, I've done much teaching along this line as, as, as much as I could. And to be honest with you, I get, sometimes get criticized. You're going to talk about faith again? Yeah. Are we going to talk about faith again? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going to see when you need faith, you, you better have faith. Amen. Because you see, faith is another language. Faith is a sixth sense. Did you realize that? Yeah. Our five senses dominate our lives every single day. Faith is a sixth sense. comes along and just says, Hmm. Strategy. Walls of Jericho are fortified. You could ride two chariots side by side on these walls. They're so thick and penetrable. And these warriors, they've been trained to fight from their youth. And here they are. And look where it's located. It's located at a place where you can't even get near those walls. You can't, you can't do anything. And you'll be killed just by standing close to those walls. I know the strategy. Walk around. Take a stroll. Bring the whole crew. Bring the Ark of the Covenant, trumpeters, shofar players. Let's just get our group together. I know what we'll do. We'll walk around them one day at a time. The first time, just once, we'll get our, whatever it is, a mile in. Second day, we'll get another mile in. Third day, now listen, don't say anything. Don't speak. Come on. Don't speak. Don't speak. 
Don't say a word. Six days. We've been doing this for six days. and well, On the seventh day, though, when you go around the seventh time, I want you to shout. I want the trumpets to blow. I want the shofar to sound. Okay. All right. That's your strategy. You're in the military. That's what you say is going to bring down those walls. That's what you say. Oh, you see, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. You shout, I'll bring the walls down. When God is in the shout, the walls come down. Oh, hallelujah. When God is in the shout, the walls will come down. It doesn't matter how illogical, how unreasonable, even though it may seem stupid, it seems ridiculous, unreasonable, illogical. I am going to say, with your stripes, I was healed. With your stripes, I am healed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're my salvation. Guess what? When the rain starts, the ark's prepared. When she touches the hem of his garment, she is made whole. We're talking about experiencing it. Come on, Tim. And I'll tell you, want to hear about a glorious day in our lives? When that doctor that came out that did that next um, echo, did an echosonogram. I think he did a catheterization. No, it was the echosonogram. This last one, nine months later. We're just sitting in the waiting room at the hospital, up at the children's hospital. And this is, this is it. The rubber meets the road right here. Because you see, they say he can't live. He's already gone beyond what they said he could live. But now he comes strolling out. This is beautiful. This is the beauty of this. He comes strolling out into the waiting room and he starts dancing. He's dancing. He's got a whole left pulmonary artery. He's got a whole artery. It's a whole, it's a normal size. It's normal size. It's normal size. We're like, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And then someone comes along and they say to me, that faith business just doesn't work. You can't confess and con this thing because you confess something, it's going to materialize. Well, no, if all you're confessing is about what you think. But you know what God said? As you spoke in my ear, so will I do to you. As you spoke in my ear, so will I do to you. Amen. I know we went a little bit over. I haven't preached an hour in a long time. <laughs> Let's all stand.